Hello and welcome to Hazelwood's Breaking News, the essential podcast for veterinary practice owners and managers. I'm your host, Suzanne Headington, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Rachel Vines. Nice to have you with me, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Today we're going to be talking about buying into a veterinary practice. We've seen over the last few months an increase in people contacting us wanting to buy into a practice and also setting up a practice. But today we're going to talk about buying into a practice and the things that people need to think about. Obviously, owning your own practice is a great thing to have, you know, great for the future. So I suppose, where do we start when we have that vision? (laughs) what do we do? Yeah, I think you're right in that, um, you know, we've certainly seen lots more people get in touch and they're looking into buying into veterinary practice. I think the changes in the corporate market we've seen kind of in the last year or so has meant that actually owners are kind of thinking about their options and succession planning is always going to be on their minds. So I think now they're starting to think about, well, actually, you know, is there anybody in the practice that we might want Mm. to bring on? And there's certainly opportunity for people to be buying in now. I think the first step really is to get evaluation and that can be either evaluation that you get independently or it can be evaluation that we're instructed on to act on behalf of the company. Quite a lot of the time though an owner has already gone on and got their own valuation done and so we might be approached by somebody looking to buy in and they've been perhaps given that valuation or they might just be looking for us to do one from scratch. I think it's quite helpful actually if an owner has got a valuation because then there's an expectation of what the valuation might be rather than someone who's buying in going and getting valuation because there's always a bit of a mismatch isn't there between what somebody who's selling wants to get for the practice and what somebody buying in necessarily wants to pay. Yeah absolutely and I think it's quite helpful to know you know it's all very well sort of saying oh the practice is worth x amount Mm. but what does that actually mean? So when we do evaluation we'll start by looking at the EBITDA of the the practice so EBITDA uh, stands for earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortisation And it's essentially looking at profitability ongoing once you've adjusted for any one-off costs, um, owners, imputed salaries, etc. Once you've established that EBITDA calculation, then you then apply a multiplier to that. And that will give you what we would call our gross enterprise value. Gross enterprise value is basically goodwill plus fixed assets. So you've got that figure, but what does that actually mean? So in order to actually value the practice, if it's a company, then the company would also have other assets and liability on, on its balance sheet. So you'd have to make sure that you added on those assets and liabilities to the gross enterprise value. And that then gives you your company value. And so you've got the value for the whole practice. That's great. And now you want to think about, okay, how much can I actually afford to yeah. buy? So that's why it's a really good idea to get evaluation initially to look at, okay, how much is say 10% even going to cost and what is fundable? I think especially with what's gone on with the corporate market recently, obviously, as I said before, there is a bit of a mismatch. And I think people People who want to sell to an up-and-coming vet have to accept that that valuation is going to be lower than a corporate valuation, absolutely, yeah. because anyone buying in individually can't afford to pay the corporate multiples. It doesn't make sense. So there has to be an element of expectation setting there. But in coming up with the valuation, we obviously take into account lots of different factors about the business. And we know what multiple we apply depends on what type of business it is, you know, all sorts of other aspects of it. Have they worked in the practice before? So it's kind of trying to take everything into account isn't it in coming up with that value yeah definitely so you know we have a set of multipliers that we use as a default and you're right that would they would vary depending on the size of the practice and the type of the practice 
practice. Um, but on top of that, it's normal to give a discount as well. Yeah. Um, and that's especially the case when a vet has worked in the business for a period of time mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they've helped to grow the goodwill over the period that they've been there. So it's normal to apply a discount to the goodwill valuation. And that could range. It could be between 0% in some mm-hmm. circumstances or to 20% in other circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, it's important that that point is considered. Yes. And I suppose to some extent, it depends on what the current owners want want to do. You know, some might be more willing to offer a bigger discount than other practices as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well with, with interest rates being as high as they are at the moment, yeah. then we would always look at what's affordable. Um, so, you know, you'd have to consider what the profitability of the practice is. And if someone's going to be looking to borrow an amount of money to buy into a practice, then is that practice going to generate the required amount of profit for that individual to be able to repay their debt? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is a key point to look at when assessing the valuation. Yeah. And it's also looking at, you know, are they going to be better off? Because let's face it, you want to buy a practice that hopefully means you're better off as a result. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't bother. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It obviously sort of think into the future and think yeah. about how the practice is going to grow and that eventually you will repay that debt. But yeah, you want to have that bit of extra income to live off in the initial stages because you want to feel like your investment is actually getting you a bit of a return. Yes. Yeah. And how would it differ if it was a partnership, say? I know there are still some practices out there who are partnerships or even a sole trader business who might be thinking about bringing in a partner, you know, for a period of time before they then retire. That's obviously a slightly different approach, not entirely. You still have to have the valuation. Yeah, so you'd start on the same basis, so you'd have your gross enterprise value and you'd still look at the balance sheet. But when you have a partnership, the balance sheet is mirrored by the capital and current accounts. Mm -hmm. So it's quite technical, but if you are in a partnership, then you're probably used to seeing your accounts and you're used to seeing a capital and a current account um, in the back pages of your accounts. And so that capital and current account essentially reflects the level of working capital that needs to be in the business, plus there are any other the sort of big assets on the balance sheet, like your yeah. fixed assets, your goodwill. So basically what would happen is those capital accounts and current accounts would be revalued based on the goodwill valuation that's been done to come up with what the required capital is for you to buy in. Yeah. So yeah, it's similar to a company, but it's a slightly different calculation. Yeah. And ultimately, same rules apply in that you've got to borrow the money and it has to be a good return yeah. you know, for it as well. So sometimes you will have some discussions over the valuation and some negotiation over it. Um, probably depends on how much discussion there might have been between an owner and their up-and-coming vet beforehand to a degree. Yeah, yeah. so normally when people come to us, they've already had an initial discussion with the owner. And in those conversations, they may have discussed what's currently in their shareholders agreement, for example, or partnership agreement. But sometimes they haven't discussed anything. Um, And I think it depends on perhaps how well the owners of the practice have been advised by their advisors in the past Mm. as to how much they understand it but yeah there will always be a bit of negotiation to be had um I I think it probably depends on you know the individuals involved and how embedded they are in the practice when you're looking at valuation and having those negotiations you know is it a practice if you're buying into a practice is it a practice you want to buy into ultimately and if you can see the success of it happening in the future then you're going to be much more positive about things obviously the sellers want to make sure they're getting a good value from it but it's 
absolutely got to be affordable at the end of the day and a sensible investment because that's what's happening. Yeah, I suppose other things that you might want to look at as part of your negotiation process is to ask for a copy of their shareholders agreement or partnership agreement Mm -hmm. and have a look at what it says about your sick or um, maternity, paternity, that sort of thing, just so that you can get an idea of what you might be signing up for. Yeah, what being a partner or an owner of the business involves. I suppose also what you might get involved in, you know, you may or may not already be involved in management meetings say but if you're not then actually what does that mean what does that entail maybe having a bit of training on how to understand accounts and things like that just so you understand the running of a business because it is a bit of a change from being an employee to being an owner yeah and that's part of the whole valuation piece as well is that it won't have been normal for you to have seen a set of accounts and understand how that profit is taken for example and so you've got to kind of get your head around how that all might work and what lots of people want to see is okay so I'm going to borrow this amount and this is the amount that I'm going to buy the shares for Mm -hmm. but what am I actually going to end up taking out of of practice going forward and what does that look like how often do I receive the money that I need to live on and so having all of that set out for you is quite an important part of the overall advice. Having a plan really isn't it and understanding what that impact might be and how things will change because again when you're an employee from a tax perspective quite straightforward but as soon as you become an owner you're paid differently whether you're a partner or a director and you then pay tax slightly differently as well so it's just understanding all those elements and making sure you take them all into account. Um, Once we've had the valuation done and we've hopefully agreed a price what's the sort of next steps from that? Yeah so hopefully the practice has already got a solicitor that's used to dealing with the practice owners and that hopefully will have already drafted a, a shareholders agreement in the past if not then obviously you need to find one Mm -hmm. the next step would be to get some legal documents drafted so normally what we would tend to do is to write to your solicitor and send them a formal instruction letter which sets out exactly what's been agreed and how all the financial bits fit together that would also include what might need to change in the shareholders agreement for example yeah so the key legal documents are the the share purchase agreement or if it's a partnership then business transfer agreement and that just sets out the kind of key things that have been agreed part of the negotiations so it would include the sales price um one thing to mention there is that if for example you've got a company situation then the net assets part of the valuation is something that kind of varies day on day so the net assets are always changing so normally what happens is there is a clause written into the agreement that basically says we're going to look at what net assets are on the completion date and which sometimes ties in with the year end and adjust the price up or down for that. So I suppose it's just bearing in mind when you're talking about funding which we'll touch on later but the timing of when you need the money for and, and how how much you might need could be different depending on what's you know compared to what's in the valuation and what it actually ends up being yeah yeah i mean normally when you've done the valuation you try to estimate what your net assets will look like at, yes. look like at completion but it's not always that easy to no. estimate and sometimes it may be that you end up having to find a bit of extra money to make your final payment once that's all been settled up yeah but hopefully um especially if you're buying into a practice where you all know each other pretty well if you haven't allowed for that in your kind of funding contingency then that could be agreed to be paid over perhaps a period of time for example there's always an always an alternative yeah so like I say you have your share purchase agreement or business transfer agreement you'd also then sign up to the shareholders agreement and there may or may not need to be changes to that 
when you buy in. It depends how recently the shareholders agreement has been updated. Yeah, and just making sure everyone's happy with those terms as well, because what was right 10 years ago might not reflect today's world or the mix of who the new directors are going to be and have to sort of factor in different elements um, and obviously changes in legislation etc so just making sure that everyone's comfortable with what's included in there. Um, In the legal documents for the sale part there's obviously various warranties and indemnities that somebody might have to sign to mainly Mm. on the seller's part and that's really to protect the buyer to a degree but Mm. I suppose also the seller as well because they have to potentially disclose certain things about whether they've maybe paid tax in a company or if they've got any employment claims or client claims that might be coming through or that are in existence that they know about which just helps that if there's something that happens in the future then there's some recourse for the buyer potentially um how much do you think people need to go into on the due diligence side? Um, when we're talking about due diligence, we're talking about kind of going through from a financial and a legal perspective, through all those sorts of things, checking the numbers, etc. Is that something that people need to do? I think you need to look at how much you already know about mm-hmm. the practice. So if, for example, you're currently working there and you're privy to the management accounts, year-end accounts, or you know some sort of financial data, then there's probably less of a requirement to have formal due diligence. When you've got a vet that's buying into a practice where the owners are staying there, you're essentially going into partnership with them, really, and you have to sort of yeah, trust each other, I suppose. And so you might feel that there's less requirement to actually do any due diligence at all. But it will come down to an individual's risk profile, I think, in terms of how much detail they want to go into. Certainly, a limited scope due diligence could be considered where the tax side is looked at. That's the key things, really, just to make sure that, you know, VAT, corporation tax, PAYE has been dealt with appropriately. Yeah, you just don't want to open yourself up to any risk in the future. But as you say, hopefully anyone buying into a business generally has worked there and therefore you've got that relationship and they've probably been involved with the business for a period of time. And in most cases, you'd expect that there's already that level of trust and relationship building before someone buys in anyway, isn't it? Because they've almost been put in that position that we want you to be the next successor. So let's get you involved now. So you start to have a better understanding of things rather than if you were maybe coming to a practice completely cold, you've moved into the area and you're wanting to buy into a practice. That's maybe a higher level of risk, in which case you might do some more due diligence at that point yeah so I guess it's taking advice as well from who your advisors are to say what level's appropriate yeah yeah I think that's definitely right yeah and, and same for the legal side as well mm-hmm. you know you just need to be happy that for example employees have got contracts and, and all yes. that sort of thing so that you're limiting your risk yes. yeah but you're, you're right I mean the more due diligence you do then the more comprehensive your legal document can be in terms of them protecting you yeah. from risks going forward but also the more cost it will be as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess it's just weighing that up isn't it it's how much you know versus how much you want to spend at that point and what's actually worth it yeah Um, yeah. so being careful about that yeah um, and sensible about it as well yeah and yeah you mentioned um funding as well Mm. so obviously like i said earlier the interest rates are a lot higher than what they have been historically and people seem to ask whether the banks will still lend um, and what rates they might get and i think yeah the banks are lending and 
we obviously have some contacts who help with that and we will have a podcast coming up that talks a bit more about the funding side of things but you know historically banks will look to lend two to three hundred on an unsecured basis but I have had some clients who managed to secure more than that a lot of it will come down to the work that is done on the valuation and the EBITDA and affordability because at the end of the day if you're borrowing money for a business that's profitable and you can afford to make the repayments then you should be in a good position and the banks have always liked veterinary historically again (laughs) you know it's been a successful industry and pretty stable and recession proof so hopefully that continues so it's about making sure you do the research on the funding side to get the best lenders for you and start looking at it early as well because that's the one side that just can take the time yeah absolutely I think you know if you've reached an agreement in theory if you didn't have to worry about funding you could probably get things turned around in a month if everyone was really on board with Mm. everything you know in a really quick turnaround but the banks will probably take two to three months to get the funding in place. Yeah. So. And that's the thing as well is once you've got your agreement, say, from the bank, yeah. quite often there's a cutoff on how long that deal will last. Nah. Yeah. And just with the rising interest rates as well, that's just something to bear in mind that actually then you might have to try and get your advisors to act quickly to yeah. get to completion before that offer runs out. So once we've done the agreements, really, it's sort of everyone signing up to that and then it is completion, money changes hands and pretty much within a minute of signing all those documents, you're now an owner of a business, which sounds very straightforward. But (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It it always sounds quite straightforward to us, but we do this sort of thing every day. So, but, you know, we're always here to kind of talk through things and explain how it all works. Yeah. And I think if we had some sort of top tips for people to think about, I think touching what you just said there, planning ahead in good time is absolutely key both for the seller as in when they want to retire from the business or maybe step back from the business but also for the buyer as well to make sure they've had those early conversations with the bank and can get the funding in place and planning everything out so that you know what time frames you need to hit so you don't have any pitfalls what else would be key things do you think yes i think getting evaluation early on maybe before any figures are sort of talked about really mm-hmm. that's probably one of the key things making sure that you've got evaluation done and also making sure that the practice is the right one for you that you've got the same ethos as the existing owners because essentially as I've said you're going to be going into partnership with them you're going to be working with each other for a long time so you need to make sure that you're all on the same page there yeah and I think that for the success of it that is really important isn't it it's very easy to think that in a practice you're working in that's fine I'll buy in and if it's something that you feel comfortable with great but if it's not quite the right fit or you think there's too many changes to make or it's not the right area for you long term then actually don't get into something that ultimately you might need to get out of quicker you know if it's the right fit it will feel right and that everything generally goes smoothly in those transactions so it's worth taking some time and doing a bit of background research I think as well just to make sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing before we finish we've talked quite a lot about the aspect of this from somebody buying into a practice but what happens if I'm an owner what sort of things should I be thinking about and when should I be thinking about them I think the earlier you think about them the better yeah and then you can start to build up a bit of a plan around what your succession plan is going to look Mm -hmm. like one of the things that we do for example is put together say a projection for x amount of years where you say okay over this period of time I might want to bring in one or maybe two extra owners and that really helps because you can see 
see how the valuation might change yep. over that period of time, what your profits are going to look like over that period of time, and how much of a share of profit everybody's going to be getting yes. to make sure that when you do bring someone else in, that there is going to be that profit available yeah. to make it worthwhile for them. Yeah, especially when you're staying on as an owner, I suppose a bit different if you were completely retiring, but equally you want to know where you're going to stand. And in the same way a buyer wants to be better off as an owner, you don't necessarily want to be worse off if you've got someone buying in, you know. Yeah, and that, that can often happen if you're looking to bring two people in at the same time, for example. Yeah. It's just really important to have made sure that there is going to be that profit available so that everybody yeah. is basically reaping their rewards. And I suppose from an owner's perspective, making sure that you've planned when you want to retire, as I alluded to earlier, that actually there is a, a plan in place which might affect who you have in the practice, how you recruit if you haven't got appropriate people, and therefore getting all that really laid out so it's really a clear plan and having those conversations with people as well will just make the whole process a lot smoother rather than getting to the December of the June of the, the following year when you yeah. want to retire and saying I'm off in six months and there's maybe nobody in place or the other partners are thinking crikey what does that mean for us you know mm. um, so I think again just taking that time to think about all those things and being clear in your own mind what you want and if you've got several partners within a business actually the timings of all of those retirements mm. um, even if it's over a 10 year period that impacts quite hugely on the business doesn't it if you've got yeah. that change constantly happening so thinking about all of that will just help things that's quite a whistle stop through what happens when you buy into a veterinary practice and the things that you might need to think about but thank you Rachel for your insight into all of that thank you very much <laughs> and um, if anyone's got any questions on anything we've discussed then you can get in touch with a member of our team and you can find all our contact details on our website www.hazelwoods.co.uk 